this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. This time, I'm joined by stand-up and Flex Mag creator Millie Tamares for a conversation about authenticity, double standards, and finding community. We're joined by Luminary's favorite, Melissa Stokowski. I hope you enjoy. Millie Tamares, welcome to the podcast. And Melissa Stokowski, thank you for sticking around to oh be my, my co-host for this pleasure. historic uh, triple interview. Triple interview, honey. So, Millie, let's start here because we are recording in early November mm-hmm. and triumphantly, I feel like of everyone we know, you really took Halloween and absolutely <laughs> honey, annihilated. Honey, I... Honey. <laughs> so, right, November, like, November 2nd and 3rd, in about like vocal Done. rest, sleeping, <laughs> resting. I'm like, I'm literally, you know, you know what they say. The key to like a good vacation is that you're ready to go home. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've had uh-huh. enough. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, I can uh, now. I can wait a year to celebrate Halloween again. You did three looks. I think two out of three were group looks. Correct. Three, two out of three. Wait. Um, no, I think you had more than three. No, no, I had three, but but the Spice Girls, I was just a lone Spice Girl. <laughs> Which is, I love. You know, sometimes uh, if I knew you were going to be there, even though that was specifically not, not a, a costume, costume party, <laughs> if I knew that you were going to be that, yeah. I would have shown up as Ginger for sure. Ginger, or I would have thought Posh. I know yeah, Posh, I know. Posh is, is the easy choice yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, but yeah. I have these like Union Jack leggings. I mean, mm. I think you have that inner Ginger mm. of like no, yeah, like, okay, was I see the Ginger favorite. energy, but the Posh for sure is like Posh. You ginger rising, posh. Posh is my son for sure. Because ginger has the like, especially solo ginger of like, I'm partying on a yacht, like that kind of. Do you know what video I just saw Mm. of her at the Brit Awards when she had, you know, that guy who does, um, like he did for Lady Gaga, she like birthed, you know, it was a giant vagina, like it's these giant balloons, and it was ginger's legs with the Union Jack dress, and the legs opened, and all of her dancers came out. It was like the most insane thing. Of I've course, ever seen. Of course. She's deranged. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is deep in the ginger can. I know. <laughs> like in the ginger cinematic universe that I'm not. So you served us a, a very good scary spice. Yes. Uh, people did ask me if I was a cheetah, which no, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So, yeah, I had two parties in the same night. So, right. you know, obviously Marsha's birthday was not a costume party. No. Um, <laughs> but the second one was a major costume party. Uh, so, yeah, I had to, you know, and it was only like less than a mile away from each other. So you got to do what you can. And then you did a Beyonce. So we were Beyonce's backup dancers <laughs> week one of Coachella Homecoming. Yes. All of that together. <laughs> But we know who would have been Beyonce if this yeah, were, yeah, were yeah. not a democratic Oh, costume. yeah. You know what? Um, you know, 
I like I said, it was floated, you know, that I would be the Beyonce for sure. Um, you know, my friends did talk about, like, maybe we should be Lizzo in the backup dancers. You know, mm. me obviously being Lizzo. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, uh, we were, the ideas were floated, but we all decided, you know. Which was kind be, of you. It was so, you know, honestly, people don't call me kind enough. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the third look? Uh, thotty Zorro, you know, just a thought <laughs> Zorro. Uh, I got some major pieces from my birthday, which was cowboy themed. Uh, yes. You know, I do have, um, <laughs> I do have uh, sheer mesh, like, what do you call it, chaps? Yeah. From Fashion Nova, but I thought that, that was too much. It was too much. It was it, I for don't me. know. I feel like that could have really worked. It, it could have, but I was like, it, <laughs> then it would have purely been my outfit for my birthday. Oh, and no. then, because I did have like a crap fringe blazer with like, a hat, <laughs> you know, and, um, but the, but the, and then I wore like cut off jeans, but had I worn the mesh like chaps, uh, I probably couldn't have gone like to as many pregames as comfortably. Um, you've done yeah. a lot of looks, speaking of thoughties, or you've done a lot of looks involving mustaches. Yes, yes, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, you yeah. have a previous Halloween Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. I was Blake from Workaholics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did um, braid my, because my hair was super blonde then. So I like braided my hair like the night before and I took it out. I really enjoy it. I wouldn't say I go as far as like cosplaying, because then, you know, I do have a personality. Right. But uh, <laughs> it's like people who are poly, you know, like, that's their whole I thing, know, you know, and cosplays. Cosplays not my thing, but I do enjoy. I do enjoy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'd love to know about you recently did your Steve Harvey show. Yes. How did, where, because I know that Annie Donnelly has a real obsession with Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. And I know that you do too. And I'd love to know where you're, where the show, how the show developed. Well, I feel like um, Odd Future, you know Odd Future? No. Our future is Tyler, the Creators, like, hip-hop collective. Okay. Tyler, the Creator, Frank Ocean, um, Earl Sweatshirt, Sid and the Internet. Like, okay. all these, like, young black kids in L.A., like, skaters. That, like, they—I used to be obsessed with them in, like, 2010. And, um, you know, before they all went to do their own solo thing. Yeah. And— uh, they just have like they have all these crazy but like in the beginning of one of their songs like fuck Steve Harvey and then I thought that was so funny I thought it was so because it was just so out of nowhere because he's like he's like a he's like what was what it, it called Dick Clark of our generation yes. like yeah. he's just like he's an so announcer yeah. he's whatever he's in everything and then I'm like fuck Steve Harvey and then I really start to research and you know his well first his like his self-help books for women on like how to manipulate men into like committing to you and he has a rule where it's like you can't um have sex if you want to be in a serious relationship with a guy you can't have sex with him for 90 days that's just like the 90 day rule like that is like one of his like pillars so his, his books are like um think like a lady or no think like a man act like a lady that's like one of them and another one's like straight talk no chaser how to find and keep a man is his second book so you know and it's just like the more I I researched and stuff the more disturbing it is but you know (laughs) on the surface level a man having two relationship books um, and you know being in three marriages he already started the third one while he was 
uh, still with the second. He has like seven kids, all this shit. Like, and he's telling, and like women are just consuming. He's just telling people, like, yeah, this is how you have to, you know, be in a healthy relationship. And that was like crazy to me. So I just started it as like uh, a character, and then. I would just be a character on shows, and I bought the mustache, and I bought the thing, and then, and then, um, you know, just like in the past year, I started like really going to therapy more. Like I, I've like I've always dabbled in therapy, but I really like started to um, take it more seriously. Or you know, I just Commit had an, I had a healing journey. I had I had good insurance. I finally had good insurance, yes, and then I could start going regularly. And through that, I discovered that I'm very accountable to other people and not as accountable to myself. Mm. So, um, and you know, when it came to group projects or like big things where I'm just a part of it, or you know, I would really prioritize it and be like the hardest working one on this thing. Mm. But then when it came to like my solo ideas and my like things or my sets like you know and like me writing new sets new material that's because I have a show and I'm accountable to somebody else we were talking about this not five minutes ago oh it's a problem and I feel like women are socialized that way and this and that but um you know that's what I found so I was like okay well and then you know every time I did the Steve Harvey character people would really enjoy it right you'd be like this is so funny and I'm just like pretty much improvising I have like two or three things that I want but like you know, so I was like, okay, well, I want to do, like, kind of a solo show. I want to, like, put something together, like, to prove to myself that I can do it and, like, I do have it. And then, um, but I want it to actually be sketch. I don't want it to be, like, you know, me improvising for an hour. Like, mm-hmm. I want to really commit to it. So I got a director who's, like, really big at UCB sketch. Like, he's, like, really big sketchhead. And even to his style, his style of writing is, like, um... 30 Rock and, like, jokes per minute. Joke, 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 joke. And if you're, like, not paying attention, um, you know, you'll miss it. You know, Alexis Pereira. So, uh, you know, say his name. But anyway, um, so I was like, okay. And then I just, then I started thinking, like, okay, well, where is, you know, what, through Steve Harvey's career, and that's a really long-winded answer. No, no, no. Through Steve Harvey's career and through, um... Uh, and like my, what would be like the craziest places for him? So, so one of the sketches is like, you know, Steve Harvey, because in one of his shows, he's a sex ed. I don't know. He's, um, he's a principal of a high school and he has like all these, you know, that's like a really popular sitcom in the 90s. So, in my sketch, he's the sex ed teacher. And then all these students are like, okay, yeah, like we want to learn about sexual health. And then he's like, okay, number one thing about sexual health is that yeah, you got to wait 90 days to have sex with someone. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, uh, aren't you going to tell us about, you know, putting on a condom? And he's like, ain't nobody need condoms. All you need. A- yeah. So, like, that's kind of like how I got to that. <laughs> the accountability thing is really something interesting because, well, I took two meanings from it. Mm-hmm. When you first said that you're really good about uh, accountability with others. I think a huge reason I'm attracted to you, especially on Twitter, is you're very good with holding people accountable. (laughs) Especially, I think, in the community we're in, there's a lot of um, uh, performative wokeness and a a lot of performative moral (laughs) superiority. And something I really enjoy about you is you're often the one who's like, okay, this is bullshit. Like, who the fuck are you people? And I have so many... I mean, first of all, there's a list in my head of people that I'll fuck with 
publicly, but yeah. in inside I'm like, oh, you're a terrible person. Mm. And also, there's just so many people. And it's fine, you know, to not—you know, I really struggle because I get it. Like, I never—I don't think it's healthy to be like, I was born woke or like— you can't, you know, there is this culture of, like, you don't want to call anybody out because, like, there is room for growth, right? There's that room for growth, and that's fine, but it's also, like, uh, you know, don't perform this wokeness. There's so many people who perform, but it's also, like, they make it such a pillar, but then they're just not, like, nice people to, like, be around. They're, like, treat people like shit, and, like, yeah. How woke can you be if you're just actively hostile to women of color, like, exclusively? Yeah. You know, these are, like, all these things that I think. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, I think it's also, too, like, another part of the accountability thing is that I'm just—I, like, am very, like, moral— morally, you know, not in, like, a sense of, like, I'm going to call the cops on anybody, but I'm like, this is wrong, this is right, you know? I've had to grow out of that a little bit because life's a gray area. But, you know, yeah, like, especially growing up Buddhist where you think, like, karma, it's like mm. you want to manifest good causes and good energy because you want that back. And um, uh, so when I see people who aren't good, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me to like process that. Does that make sense? I had a con- I had a complicating experience recently where someone we know who's very outspoken, very erudite, very funny about a lot of bigger issues. I was out with them in person and their behavior in person was pretty much the opposite of what they so effectively present. And I know we're all like that. I'm not saying that, like, I'm beyond reproach, but it was very scary because I felt like they had set them themselves up so high mm-hmm. and then when you see the behavior once they've had a few drinks maybe, mm. you know, and they're in a space that is not for them maybe, mm. it's very scary. Okay, and so you're gonna, after the pod, you're going to tell me who this is. Oh, of course. But, uh... <laughs> but, it, but it was great to... It's great when when I see someone like you being like, okay, this is what's actually going on. And I I wanted to bring up you did you recently tweeted about um, two women comedians getting booed off Mm because they were making fun of they they got booed off stage because they were making fun of Harvey Weinstein to his face. To his face. He was there. I didn't realize that. He was there. So basically they went to like some, they're part of some actors like networking group and that that actors networking group basically had like a talent show, like showcase night. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I know. know. Can you imagine? I mean, honey. So. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Um, But you know, there's like, there's spoken word. There's like people playing guitar. There's people, whatever. It's not you. It's the mic. Um, but uh, they, uh, so I guess, and then they they did comedy, and then Harvey Weinstein was there, and then they got, like, booed while they were on stage, and they got kicked out of the bar, and all this stuff. And, like, you know, it's so funny you brought up those tweets. I actually muted those things because um, a really popular uh, comedian, or comedian um, who has, like, tons of followers and has a huge podcast um retweeted my tweets and called me a retard and oh, say good. like yeah Very said nice. like nice. said like every time you know because i think his point was that um you know th- those women got a ton of support because basically my tweets were like oh you know everyone you know 
when Shane Gillis got fired, everyone made, like, a big fucking hoot. Yeah. But, like, and I mean, everyone, like, you had, like, Bill Burr, uh, Sarah Silverman, David Spade, like, comedy legends, like, coming out and saying, like, you know, this is wrong. This is, we're in danger of comedy. Like, we're in danger. Like, this is a terrible blah, blah, blah. Like, you know? And then this happens where people are actually, like, on some Lenny Bruce shit, like, thrown out of a venue, and we don't hear any from any of these big people. You know, we hear, like, all of their new supporters, those two girls, or those two women's new supporters are all, like, probably survivors, honestly. It's all survivors, but it's not people, like, you don't see, like, solidarity from comedian, respected yeah. comedians talking about this is right or wrong, and that's kind of what I was saying. And then, but this guy took it like, oh, everyone's coming against them, and and he was like, um, this is retarded, quote, be, um, because uh, like they're getting a ton of support and they're getting a ton of things. Like for me, like there was a segment on David Spade's late night show that was. Um, talking about why it was wrong to fire Shane Gillis. There was not a segment on David Spade's show about this, and, like, that was a clarification, but once he retweeted it, um, I I was harassed, like, literally right before that party, right before Marsha's party, I uh, was harassed by all of his fans. They called me all kinds of names. They went through pictures of mine. I was I went to went to a wedding like in 2016 and they went through pictures. They zoomed in, found a picture of my teeth. What? Like and they're like I'm this close and like they took they zoomed in on my gap and they're like I'm this close to giving giving up on 2019. Like just some really nasty shit. What? Sick oh my shit. God. And then like um yeah, so I'm like, okay, I can clarify my statements, but I just need this to go to, go away. Like, this is crazy. But you having to clarify your statements me, almost means to suggest that you're responsible for their behavior. And it's like, that. what are you supposed to do when you're being attacked in such an unpredictably bizarre, vicious way? And, you know, I think that, yeah, so I was just like, okay, I have to leave it alone. I muted that thread. Like, completely. And- I actually think you probably, they, what they don't understand, what you're saying, I think, would please them if they were able to think, which is you, what you're saying is, like, don't get on a moralistic pedestal one day and then not be on it the next yeah, day. Yeah, keep the same energy. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Which I actually think they would agree with because their whole thing is, like, oh, you're getting up in arms about this and not this, you know? But yeah. unfortunately, they're, like, so, I mean, for many other reasons, they can't even hear that because you're saying it. And, like, that per yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, I don't know them. And just in general, like, it's also something to be said about, like, these are supposedly, like, leftists or whatever. And it's something to say about a group of, you know, white men who, like, Le- uh, uh, unleash the people like on women of color. you know what I mean it's just like yeah. there's that whole thing and you know I was on a shoot on Monday and I was talking to somebody who's friends with that guy and you know cause I was I just mentioned like what I just told you that I was harassed and all this stuff and that person was like oh I'm so sorry like you know even if they were my best friend I wouldn't condone that but you know what's crazy is that guy like you know he had like a ton of podcasts followers all this stuff and um 
But he like complains that no one in in New York comedy books him anymore. Ooh, like no one in stand up books him. Really and then you know that person was like, "That's your fault. Like you made this bet." And I'm like, "Yeah, I would like, wow. you know." And even like talking to people at Marsh, I was just like trying not to let it get to me for the you know because I'm trying to enjoy my Halloween weekend, which you know how much I love. <laughs> and <clears throat> and even somebody's like, they were so you know somebody who did a show with them. They're like, they're so disgusting and hostile uh like in person i can't imagine what they're like like behind the screen you know yeah do you guys feel like um there is safety or protection being in the new york comedy community that we're in do you feel like you are supported or does it feel as hostile and vicious as as that can be i feel like and that's why like Stuff that Michael Chase says is so upsetting. I agree. Yeah. Because he really rubs me the wrong way. He, but also like it's just like, because um, he's like saying like, oh, it's just this one niche of comedy. Like that's not real comedy. Like real comedy is like the clubs. It happens in middle American okay, stuff. Well, but it's just, no. it's literally like I feel like it's like that. Um, where I'm at right now, like in my little like sphere of of comedy is, like, you know, people say, like, oh, my God, liberal bubble, oh, my God, New York, but it's, like, everyone kind of escaped, like, where they were and, like, has created this community, um, you know, just in general in New York where, like, and, like, there's so many times in my life where I'll be looking back, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, everyone has doubts, like, oh, my God, like, I should have made this decision or I should have done that. But, like, there have been quite a few times, like, in my adult life where I'm like, oh, this is exactly where I was supposed to be my entire life. This is exactly, yeah. like, these Same. are the people, these are the, my people, These are my, this is my thing. So I do feel like that, like, especially, like, now with, like, the alt con, you know, like, I don't, you know, and, like, I don't even know if I consider myself, I don't know if other people consider me an alt comic. I don't know if I can, I don't know even that. And I mean, is that not alt comic to not even know if you're right? Alt-comic? Exactly. Completely. <laughs> it's so weird now. Yeah. But it almost seems like if you're not like pursuing clubs or performing in clubs, then you're, you're old. old. I don't. Yeah. And if you're big. not just doing, st- you know, because I love staring up, but I love like creating a fake PowerPoint or I love making a, ca- you know what I mean? Of course. So it's just like, um, so there's that, but then there's also like, there can also be moments, you know, where um, I feel like I, where you just don't feel like you belong or you don't feel supported. You don't get an invite to this party that everyone is going to mm-hmm. or you don't like you don't know if you really fit in or everyone like everyone is booked on this one show and you're not or the, you know there's all these different moments. So, you know, I feel like it's a struggle and like it's a balance. But I do feel more at home and more seen and more appreciated where I'm at currently than, like, when I was doing UCB stuff where I just felt like UCB, um, like, as an institution failed me. But, like, they did – but they did do a lot. I did a lot of, like, the – like, I got a lot of diversity scholarships and all that stuff. And I met a lot of people through their diversity program. But, like, at the center of it is this institution who says that they're um, subjective. And and then, yeah, they're objective. And then, like, if they don't think you can pass on, like, it's kind of through the gaze or through the thing of, like, then you don't have it. And it – 
in retrospect, it was like so many people just didn't understand me or like didn't see me, didn't see what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, yeah, I didn't feel seen. And because they couldn't see me, they couldn't see like my potential and all this stuff. And they're like, oh no, she needs to work more to be more like us so that we can, we can only see her if she's like us, you know? So I like went through that program like, like four times, like three or four times, like then they advanced I I, to get to the advanced program because I, I just kept, and then finally when I, I had a teacher who like saw me and I got an A you know what I mean and like just like pass you know and it was like and it just like I don't know so yeah so long winded answers no no this is what we want so you've created some of your own institutions Mm -hmm. including Flex Magazine Mm -hmm. and uh, the Diverse as Fuck Fest yes and I'm just curious I mean we can go into each one but I'm curious Mm -hmm. about like the choices you made with each of them so Mm -hmm. that they would feel different than what you had to go through or mm-hmm. they could kind of accomplish the goals you wanted them to accomplish or mm-hmm. incorporate the right kind of people or have yeah. the right kind of message. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, um, Daph was born from frustration. Me and um, two other guys were just frustrated. Like, UCB at the point, um, you know, uh, UCB at the point, like, Took off. They have a, like a team, and they they took off all the people of color, and it was ten people, and it was eight white guys, and two women, two white women, and I don't think any of them uh. were queer. Yeah, no, this was, and this was not that long ago. So we were like, you know what? Let's just only book people of color for our for our shows, like only people of color improv teams or whatever. And then it was so easy because no one was asking them. I was in a woman of color improv team, which now every like almost everybody from those that team that I was on is really successful in comedy but like or not really successful but they 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 still continue to do it and they're really talented um but like no one would book us like Carrie Caudette used to be on my team if you know her um but uh well the other thing I've also under I've come to learn is that often um when you're in a marginalized group you're used to being the only person of that group in a show so then when you get asked to be in a group or a team or a show where there's a lot of you you're actually like oh great i get to see my friends yeah exactly so i'm sure they were very excited because they're like okay we can finally be together we're not like off being marooned yeah all white shows and like yeah i would say and, but but with DAF, like, how many years the Diverse as Fuck Fest, it happens we, every summer, right? The time, <laughs> it changes every year, basically. Okay. But yeah, last, last year it happened in the summer. And um, yeah, we were just like, oh, it was so easy to book. So we we're like, oh, we can do a festival. And that just turned into like something else. And it grew from like, you know, we have like this pretty tight like festival thing now but then we started doing workshops and that's how I got connected with The Onion and um, creating free workshops with The Onion and then um, yeah with my partnership with The Onion I was I mean that helped me too you know what I mean like I was able to you know meet people and it has helped my career but also like yeah from there from in the satire space I mean I just think that um, like, I think people want to solve diversity. Like, people mm-hmm. are aware of the issue, you know, and they want to help. But I think that sometimes just having one person of color, one queer person, it's kind of worse. 
than having no one because then it's that person or that person's ideas are not even getting seen because because they don't feel seen in the room right. or structurally. So, like, their ideas aren't getting through. So it was just, like, you know, I think it's important and they need, it needs to happen and it needs to be challenged. Or even, like, uh, it's like they want to hire people you know, they know that they have a problem. And I'm I'm saying they, like, not just The Onion. I'm saying a lot of shows, a lot of things, people, things I've worked, like, ever, it's just a general problem yeah. of, like, they want to do from the bottom down. Like, oh, we want to do, like, uh, we want to have diversity bottom down. But the person at the bottom still has to remain in our voice. And um, So it's like bring in a black intern, but don't hire a black executive, basically. Yeah, exactly. But then if there's no black executive, or not, maybe not intern, but like even black writer, right? Like, they're like, oh, well, the black writer still needs to be in our voice, mm-hmm. and they still need to fit our stuff. So none of the black writer's jokes are getting in. And I, and I have some friends in L.A., and, you know, even too, like, my friend wrote for the Mad TV, like, reboot or something, <laughs> and he was saying, basically, it was like, they try to not be racist so much. They're so scared of it that they end up being racist where they, like, you can't mention anything. Like, exactly. You can't even, you know, he was like, I wrote a cookout sketch, you know, about being at a cookout and, like, with back. And they're like, uh, can you say barbecue? Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Which is and- ironic because the original Mad TV was would fly right into it yeah. and always be offensive. But at least with that, the the performers of color, you could see they could, like, they could do shit. Do stuff, Like, they yeah. could get their hands dirty, you Yeah, know? so I think they were scared of that, so they, like, over-policed, and, and then, then you they're like, nothing. this is even worse, and then and then the director will be like, wow, this sketch sucks, and it's like, yeah, it sucks, this is not what I wrote. Exactly. Um, well, I'm thinking about, like, the Captain Marvel movie was so... I really liked it, but... Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> I felt like, and this is my issue with the character generally, like, she cannot be offensive or dangerous in any way, so she's just, like, woman, but mm. not anything about woman, or, mm. you know, th- th- it's so, like, scrubbed down mm. so that it can be appealing to everyone that you're yeah, like, Yeah, trying to be okay, everything well, what is this? Yeah, yeah I-, I think sometimes it's like, I just admit that this thing is, like, not for everyone, yeah. and go with it. Yeah, or, but but that you're so you're saying you've seen a lot of efforts where people have kind of tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube or like reverse engineer from the bottom up. Yeah, so then that's when when I created Flex, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, top down, like with me in charge. Yes, and with a all people of color editorial staff, we're gonna do this, but you know that's we have no money. So. <laughs> but. It is actually it's amazing. funny. Thank you. Like, yeah. it's actually very funny, which Thank is you. all that matters. I mean, money will be good, but, like, money, yeah. you have— And money will come. But money will come. Money will come. I think I, you know, I have to give it up to the editorial staff. They work really hard. Um, but, yeah, like, that, those are—that's when— Basically, you know, and then if I had money, like, if I didn't have to balance, like, 50 things— it could be so much because I, I really at the core what I really want because The Onion satirizes New York Times. Uh, Clicko satirizes BuzzFeed. Yeah. Uh, Reductor satirizes Cosmo. I really want to satirize The Shade Room. I really want to satirize World Star and I really want to satirize Complex. Mm. Um, and you know like how ridiculous it is. I want those videos. Like I want that's what I see like um you know, visually for that, but you know, that just takes my, you know, money and like to be topical and make fun, funny topical stuff is is tough. But that's like 
what the vision was for that. And then DAF is like, you know, continue. Um, I'm just consulting at this point um, with different companies on creating diversity workshops and like, and then, you know, it's not just like, oh, we're, you know, and I tell them, you know, and I have a really good relationship with The Onion. And, and it's not just like, oh, I'm going to put, like, we put it together, together. Like, I'm on calls with them. I'm, mm-hmm. like, doing a lot of stuff. And um, it's like, you know, it's not, we need to set people up for success, too. It's kind of like, so I guess it's kind of like, um, you know, first-generation people in college, right? So it's like, okay, great, like, we have all these programs to get, like, black, Latino, or just even just, like, poor whip, anybody in a college for the first time in their family, right? But then they get into college, and then what? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and now I'm seeing more programs where it's, like, mentoring in college, somebody telling you what internships to do, what this and that, like, success rate and retention rate and stuff, because that's that's what happens is, like, they have no support, and then they drop out. So they're the first ones to get in, but they have nothing, you know, they don't understand. And then, and then college in general is just a tough right. time. Yeah. So, you know, and they don't, they don't get, like, and I just see so many of my, you know. So, so in, the, in the creative space, it's like, how can we ensure that, like, you know, we're just keeping, you know, keeping these people in these organizations? I mean, I just think also the conversation about, like, as an artist, finding your voice is so specific to whatever subsect you're in. Like, I think if you're a woman comedian, you probably get bullied into talking a certain way. That's like a knockoff of the way that men speak. If you're mm-hmm. a gay comedian, you talk like in a certain bitchy way mm-hmm. because that's supposed to be funny. So I think like what you've been talking about is this thing about like there aren't a lot of institutions where – you can go in and cultivate your own voice and mm-hmm. not be trying to like match this flawed, largely monotonous, homogen like homogenized uh, institution's voice. Yeah, and I struggled too because I feel like a lot of people create institutions or create things so that they can be the gatekeepers of stuff, mm-hmm. just so they can be the gatekeepers of stuff, just so that they can have power, just so they can be that same oppressive power, that same person saying no, that, like, created more barriers, and if you don't fuck with them. And I've personally experienced that from people, too, in this community mm-hmm. of, like, people creating things, creating spaces just so that they can be the ones to say no. And then if you don't fuck with them, if you don't do what they say, you know, you're out and those those goals, all your opportunity. And like, and also like, or creating spaces so that they can just be at the center of it always. And that's not why I wanted to create this. I really, I really do like want to, um, I, I just struggle with that because I, I want to uh, have my own thing and have my own. But I also created this stuff to make it easier for other people. So I really worry, like, I really struggle with dividing my time in that. Like, I do like this thing, and it's, you know, but I also have to take care of myself. I have to work on my own projects. I have to do my own thing. And I'm not, and I don't want to use, I feel like it should be 50-50. Like, I should be getting value yeah. as, as and giving value. But for a long time, it was, like, me just giving and giving. And, like, for a long time, flex. Like, I wasn't even—I was just editing. I wasn't even, like, um, contributing any articles. I wasn't writing anything, you know? It was just, like, I was doing all the unsexy stuff. And now it's distributed in the way where everyone has to do unsexy stuff. You know what I mean? So I can enjoy it more. But still, like, 
yeah, like, I never want to be like, oh, this is this because Millie has to be the star of every dad show or, um, or Millie has to write every good article on Flex. Like, that's not what I want. So that's why— But that's why very I, obvious when you see an organization and it's clearly fronted by a person and you can tell that their motivations are for themselves more so than whatever cause they're doing. And yeah. that's 0% what you're doing. Which is not good because— as things progress and you want to explore new things, mm-hmm. unfortunately, then you can't let go and it's all about you. And then you can't, yeah, you totally. can't diversify yourself. Yeah, exactly. So that's also, too, like where I struggle with, you know, moving on from things is like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm taking back. I don't want to be the center because, yeah, I want to do my own stuff. And if I get staff tomorrow, I don't want flicks to die or I don't want Jack to die. I don't want, you know, what I want like sure. I want to cultivate like leaders and like keep it going um but it is tough because i am <laughs> doing a lot of stuff yeah, so you are. it's tough yeah i'm like it's it's tough to navigate but i do feel like that's where like me being doing a ton of shows has been able to and that's still accountability to other people so i'm trying to find out how can i still work on stuff creatively without overbooking myself and burning out um but it is account you know th- that's that that accountability at least to myself where i would have to show up to a show with material and like whatever um you know that was like my only way of getting it you know i was like signing myself up for doing all these shows so are you someone who once you've done something big like the steve harvey show you're like okay i can't wait to work on that again and make it better are you like okay we're done let's let's move on because that's something i struggle with we Mm -hmm. were just talking about this uh, in terms of the self-accountability and the self-motivating of like no this is your thing you need to keep pushing it Mm -hmm. rather because i'm someone who i'm like okay we're done like that's it Never doing that again. I mean, the Steve Harvey thing was just such a big thing, like I said, to test, like, to see if I could do it. And, yeah, I'm, like, kind of 50-50 on, like, mm, okay, now I want to write something else. Or, yeah. and, then, and then part of me is like, no, we got to keep this going because it's, like, you spend so much time on it. Like, more people should see it, and you should take it to other places and see how far it can go. Um, so, yeah, I'm, like, pretty divided. But then I'm also like, oh, I want to write something else. Yeah. Like, I have this other idea, so... So, Melissa and I were just talking about, now that we're going into our 30s, like, me? what oh. what we want to be <laughs> doing, and I wanted to know about what you are look, hoping to do, or what you want to happen, or just, like, how you want to be. Even if it's not yeah. things you want to do, like, how you want to be experiencing the world yeah. as you get older. I mean, I just, like, yeah, I was just talking. I feel like, you know... I just, like, want it all. I want, like, a, you know, partner, kids, but also a really successful career. Yes. Yeah, like, I again, like, I see Michelle Buteau, and yes. that's, like, a career that's, like, oh, that's exciting for me. Like, you know, she's doing stand-up. She's um, in these, like, little Netflix movies. Yeah. She has her own podcast. She's married. She has kids. She has twins. Yeah. You know, that's really, that, 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 that really excites, you know, like, that kind of level. She's really versatile, too. I exactly. think that's a huge value for her is, like, she could do a Las Culturistas show, but then do something much different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that is, that's a career, like, that's somebody that I like. And then, again, like, um... And I know that, you know, when people ask me what kind of career you wanted, like, now I say Michelle Buteau, but I used to say Issa Rae, mm. just because, and everyone, like, everyone wants to be Issa Rae, but, like, more on, like, the, I want to be doing my own thing, like, having something where I'm not the smartest person in the room, 
like my Steve Harvey show, you know, like having working with other people on something that's my vision and stuff, but then also like mentoring people and because mm. she has her own production company and she's like ESP on a ton of stuff and yeah. all this stuff. And like that's like something that excites me, too, again, of like top being that top down um, person, you know, uh, but then, yeah, like trying to have both is tough. Yeah, because it's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, trying to both do the creative stuff, but also like be that person up top who sees other people. So I want to know about when you are translating dating experiences into your comedy, how you like are able to do it without the dating just becoming this like generator of experiences where you're able to still enjoy dating and relationships and then be able to translate it to comedy Uh, yeah I feel like yeah I don't I definitely you know a long time ago my friend was like girl as soon as you're happy your comedy's gonna suck (laughs) (laughs) and I was like no um I think that the the like, the casual stuff that hurts, or not the casual, but, like, yeah, like, the dating and stuff, like, that I can easily make jokes about. Um, the really painful stuff is hard for me. Yeah. Uh, that's not something that, personally, I enjoy, like, putting my pain on a pedestal for others to consume. I'm very conscious about what kind of, um, you know... I'm very conscious about, like, what am I bringing out into the world? Uh, what what experience do I want people to leave with, you know? So there's that. But I think with dating, I, um, yeah, I, I still enjoy it. But th- there's just so much bullshit that it's, like, impossible not to, um, it's impossible not to just, like, Okay, this guy sucks. You know, and, and and as you get older, you're able to read things a lot better, like read between oh. the lines and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. But the crazy messages, I love turning that in and then seeing how I can use it in a funny, you know. Tonight I'm doing Mary Beth's show, uh, Drag His Ass. Iconic. Yeah, and, um, you know, of course, like, everybody can, anybody can get up and read bad messages. But it's like, how can I construct this in a way that's, like, funny that I'm still showing my comedic voice where I'm yeah. not just showing a PowerPoint and just showing, like, weird stuff and stuff. So I'm doing, like, a trial. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, the defendant, Jamie, and I take the name, like, Jamie versus uh, the court of Billy. And then it's like, <laughs> and then it's like, uh, okay, let's look at this. This is a case of a bad mirror pick and all this stuff. And then it's like, uh, yeah. So stuff like that but um I think that it's so tough being like I know like dating in general is tough and dating as a comedian is tough but I feel like being a female comedian and dating is fucking tough because I feel like men straight men like their whole thing what it's like oh I have to be funnier and a lot of them don't even see it but like it's like you know comedies are inherently like a masculine profession. It's like, a, you know, doing the guy thing, you know, it's a guy's thing or whatever. So to meet somebody who might be better at a masculine thing than them, I feel like is super threatening. It's very threatening. It's very threatening. Even so if there's they don't the, realize it. They don't even realize I feel like most of them don't even realize it. And then, so then, 
a lot of times it can manifest in different ways. Sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, that's just something you do on the side, but that's not your real thing. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, you do it, so I should be able to do it and be better easily. That's a thing. Um, And I feel like a lot of women or, like, even, like, when I'm talking to a guy— so many, so many, so many, so many times I'll be chatting with a guy. Hey, you're so cute, blah, blah, Like, they're saying this. And oh, okay, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, well, I'm a comedian. Blocked. They block me. They no. block me. That's happened to me at least, like, seven times. <gasps> what? And, yeah. And I think, too, like, I feel like they... And then also, as a dating, like, as an artist, I'm just like, my... You know, I have my, like, fuck boy, blah, blah, thing. And then, you know, but that's not, I want, like, if you know who I am in person, not that I'm doing, like, a completely removed or different thing on stage, but I'll probably be a little bit more vulnerable on stage. And I'm, you know, the first thing of these guys, like, oh, uh, either like, oh, tell me your set, I'll give you notes. And I'm like, motherfucker, oh like, no offense, you're a waiter, why the fuck would you give me notes? Like, not that, you know, not like, a, you're just a waiter, like, that's your thing, like, but why would But some of them I... are not good comedians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then, and then another one is, um, oh, I want to go to your show, and I'm like, no, that's like a serious, like, Yes. I really, really much, like, literally rather you see me naked. Yeah. <laughs> you will see me naked lots of times lots before of time you see before me do comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that's, like, that's just tough. And I guess it's just, it's just finding the joy. But then, like, the really traumatic things I don't share on stage. And, yeah, like, just trying to find. I'm just trying to keep stay positive because it can be very discouraging. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I had a guy, you know, the the one like like one of like the most traumatic relationships like of recent was like a guy who thought I was joking when I'm like don't come to my show. And he mm-hmm. came and then I was like you have to leave before I go up. And he like would not was not trying to leave. And I'm like, "Okay." I and respect then- that that you were like get the fuck out of my show. Well, because it's supposed to be, like, a chill, like, backyard show. Yeah. It's just, like, something where it's, like... And then I literally, like, escorted him out of the show, and he got so mad at me. Like, and he was just like, I can't believe, like, like, uh, I can't believe you actually... Like, you're an artist. You're just, just supposed to do... You know, you're supposed to just let me do whatever I want. Like, you know... <laughs> That's yeah. a ridiculous sentence. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the whole... That was the whole point of, like, that was the whole thing of that relationship is, like, I'm just supposed to let him do whatever he wants. Do whatever he wants. And, you know. And also, don't use my art against me. Yeah, he's like, you're an artist. Like, that's not professional. Like, blah, blah. And I'm just like, (laughs) I hate you. Uh, And then he wondered why I didn't want to break up. Anyway, (laughs) he's like, what do you mean? (laughs) But they don't understand, like, how personal stand-up is, first of all. Mm -hmm. How, like, a vibe can be thrown off very easily. Like, if it's an important situation and you have someone there that's, like, you know, distracting you or taking a little bit of your energy. Like, that can be super detrimental. So Mm. I think anyone who's dating a comedian needs to be respectful of what they are invited to and what they're not invited to. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be different if it's like we've been together for five years. I've been doing comedy for three years. Like, and I don't ever want you to see my set. But like, I don't know you, dude. Like, come on. I waited so long for my current relationship to see me. It almost was like too long. But it was just like, oh, well, now I've gone this far. And it wasn't really a specific reason. 
but I was just kind of like things that we hadn't talked about yet. Yeah. Us two, I'm maybe talking about on stage, which seems crazy, but it's like a lot more, it's somehow less intimate to tell it on stage than it is one-on-one. Exactly. Yeah, so the only, like, the only time a guy that I was dating saw me perform uh, was when I did Roast of Your 15-Year-Old Self. And then, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, that's, I I, I co-hosted it with Elise, and and that was pre-planned, so I'm like, oh, I know all these jokes are going to land. It's at Union Hall. It's a great venue. Like, Elise is great. Like, she won't let me die. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I'm worried about it not being funny, too. Yeah. Like, it's like, what if you, yes. and then they you bomb. That's a fucking nightmare. Which, like, bombing is so specific because, like, it could easily not be your fault. It could be, like, yeah. you know, just a circumstantial bomb. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, that's the foot you start off on yeah, or exactly. whatever. Like, oh, God. So. It's a lot of pressure. And then, you know. Like came out, he's like, yeah, everything, uh, everything uh, we talked about already, and that was like, yeah, that's why you're here. But if it's a person who's already questioning if you're funny yeah. or threatened by you being yeah. funny, then it's almost like they're coming to be like, prove it. Right. Versus yeah. someone that you've been with, and now they're like, "Well, I know you're a funny person. I'm yeah. excited to watch this and like learn more about you and like." Be a part of the audience, yeah. not like including themselves or, you know, yeah. I mean? like it's a the dynamic matters a lot, I think. Yeah. Millie, mm-hmm. um, where can we be following you? Oh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Millie Tamaris. A.K.A. Wactose Intolerant. This is a historic candle. That's a historic candle. That's really one of the top five, I think. It was used to be Swaghetti and Meatballs, Mm -hmm. but I did change it. Right. Uh, uh, Or um, Instagram, Millie on Fire. Uh, Didn't you have Chameleonaire or no? um, No. There is somebody who did make a fake Instagram with my first and last name, took my headshot as a profile picture, and it has 80 followers. (gasps) I wow. Know. And 80 of, like, people that know me. Probably oh me. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, yeah, I gotta look. I do, I, um, and then, yeah, don't do Facebook. Uh, don't, don't do Facebook. Don't you go on my website, too, like, uh, or send me a pigeon, but, uh, I mean, I, I'm on Facebook still, but, you know, that's. that's yeah, you rule game. Twitter and Instagram, I think. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, I do get, you know, but, yeah, Twitter, I'm trying, yeah, Twitter, I'm trying Twitter, to. Twitter, you're hot. Twitter, I'm hot. Twitter, I'm hot. Um, okay, so we will follow you there. Yeah. Um, Melissa, we can follow you at M underscore Stokes, yes. right? Okay, good. Which um, we've been talking about me changing my handle to my actual name. I like M Stokes a lot. Because uh, yeah. I feel like you, it's like. People fucking have like pretty fly girl or some dumb shit that like, I'm like how like was I supposed to? Well, that's the whole thing about my last, my last name in the first place is it sounds like a fucking linebacker or like a Stolsky? Or a Stokowski. Yeah, Stokowski? it's a it is an old that's the, Polish man last name. I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. But <laughs> well, Melissa and I are um, reincarnated because I'm I'm of Unikowski, which is another Polish. Oh, really? We were married in Poland. And we, we think in a past life we were married, Aww. and Melissa was a man who was closeted, and I was her wife mm. who kept the secret. And then both of y'all loved the fur. And <laughs> exactly. We were just wearing We were probably huge. in the fur industry. Oh, for sure. Ooh. Fur show, sure. And then the pogroms and the Nazis. Um, mm. Okay, thank we you We hate both. the Nazis. <laughs> 
And that's how we end my episode. We hate the nip. <laughs> thank you both for being here. Uh, I hope you're back soon. Thank yeah, you. thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you.